we're to pray, okay? So, Father in heaven, we just thank you and praise you that we can all come together in this, in this uh, group of men and just learn about you, Lord, and just hear from your word today. Lord, we pray that you would just clear our minds of all the things that we could be thinking about right now. Lord, just all the things that are going on in our lives, things that we are hoping will go on in our lives. Lord, worries of our families, you know, just whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you would just shut those things off so that we can be focused on you and you alone. So, Lord, we just thank you that uh, we have your word, Lord, and that we can just hear the things that you have spoken, Lord, and draw from them the things you want us to know and learn. So, Lord, may we be open to that. Lord, would you soften our hearts? Would you use me in particularly to speak to uh, the men today and to myself? Lord, uh, we just thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So yeah, Hosea 10. Now, granted, it's only going to be two verses. So first off, background on Hosea. Some of you know who Hosea is. Okay, he was a prophet. This is considered one of the minor prophets. Okay, he was a prophet way back when. you know, And uh, he was the prophet that God told, go marry a prostitute. And then have kids with her. And name them these trippy names that mean these things about Israel. Hey, because Israel was always playing like the prostitute, right? That's the whole idea here is that the, the people of Israel kept acting like prostitutes towards God. Hey, now we can draw parallels from our own lives on that very same thing. Because how often do we do these things, right? We're like, yeah, God, I'm sold out for you. And then the very next day, I'm not sold out for you. <laughs> you run into something else, or you're going after, after a different sin, or you've taken that one sin that you keep in your back pocket and you've pulled it out, right? And you start saying, hmm, yes, nice sin. Hey, <laughs> I figured that'd get a laugh, you know? And God is showing Hosea this process of his bride going after different gods, different idols, and prostituting themselves out to other people. But God will constantly come back and try to save her and bring her back, get her to repent and turn back to her, or to him, sorry. Okay, so in that context, this is a point where Hosea is prophesying what God is telling him, and he says, in chapter 10, verse 12, sow with a view of righteousness. Now, sowing is sowing seed, right? Okay, not as in sowing garments, okay? So we're sowing seed. This is one of those agrarian, like, you know, illustrations that they tend to use a lot in the Bible, okay? Um, sow with the view of righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to reign. Righteousness upon you. Okay, so we'll get to the next verse in just a minute. This first verse is he's, he's, he's telling them through Hosea to sow righteousness. Okay, sow good things. No, don't be sowing bad stuff, right? He says, sow in accordance with righteousness. So righteous deeds. 
And we all have an understanding of what, what righteousness is, right? It's doing the right thing. It's doing good stuff. He wants Israel to understand that they need to be going after the right stuff. They need to be living a life of righteousness. This is the same thing that we're called to do, right? This is where the parallel comes in. God is always calling us to live lives that are in accordance with his commandments, right? And we're not just talking, you know, the weird commandments that you've all heard of before, you know, blah, blah, blahs. We've all heard the really weird commandments out there. Like, you're not supposed to, like, shave the sides of your sideburn or, you know, all these weird ones you've heard of. Those were specific to Israel. So at the time, they had to follow these things. Okay? But in our lives, we are supposed to be doing the same thing. We're supposed to be living righteously, which is in accordance to what Jesus told us to do. Right? He said, because you are my followers, you will live in righteous ways. Okay? And the only way we can live these righteous ways is because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are, are, are needing to understand that they need to turn from the idol worship, turn from the sacrificing of things that are just completely meaningless to God. And there are other places that we see God telling them, hey, your sacrifices mean nothing to me because your hearts are not for me. How many of us can, can, can relate to that? Our hearts are not in the same place as what we are thinking most of the time, right? So we'll be thinking, oh, I can, I can do this thing over here that will make me look good, make me feel good, and it looks like I'm doing the right thing. Okay, but if we're doing it for selfish reasons to say, look at me, well then you're not doing it for the right reason, right? The heart is wrong. If you're thinking, well, I'll do all of these good things so that when I stand before God, my good will outweigh my bad. And again, we know that that's not correct theology either. Okay? It was always based off of faith and somebody else's righteousness. And that's why we have Jesus. His righteousness is given over to us because we can never be that good, right? The standard's perfection. Raise your hand if you are perfect. Some can truly raise their hands. The only person who would be able to do that is Jesus if he was standing right here. In the presence of the almighty creator of the earth, oh man. If you're not following him, you'd drop to your knees. If you're following him, you just, flock to him no but that's what we're called to do we're called to flock to Jesus so that he can live out our lives for us through the Holy Spirit we constantly need to surrender this is a big word that we hear constantly especially when I preach because surrender is the number one thing that we all need to practice I'm included in this we must surrender ourselves to Jesus every day, surrendering ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can live the life that God has called us to live. Okay? This is one of the hardest things we will ever do. And one of the reasons is in the next verse. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your way 
and your numerous warriors. Do you see how, how it can be hard for us to surrender? Because we're constantly trying to rely on ourselves, even when we say that we are followers of Christ. Right? Because we constantly think we need to add something to our salvation. Because often this is what we're taught, that we must add something. The reality of the kingdom is that it is done for you. You just need to remain in it. Right? It's all done for you. And you abide in Christ. And we, we've, we've heard that before, right? Right? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me remains. Who do, he, who do, he who does not will be cut off. But we must abide. Okay? And that's not adding something to our salvation. It's a privilege to be able to be attached to the vine continuously. To be growing and to be pruned. The pruning part, we hate. Because pruning is never fun, right? It's kind of stressful, it kind of hurts. But sometimes it's in those struggles, it's in those moments of being pruned and going through a season of trial, a season of tribulation, a season of backsliding, that sometimes God is going to step in and we're actually going to be looking for him. Because when things are going good, we're not looking for them, right? The Israelites thought, oh, everything's going good. We're not under attack right now. We have these nice big walls. We have this, you know, we have all these things. So everything's going good. We can do what we want because we're being blessed by God. The reality was they weren't. They were trusting in themselves and in their army and in the, the buildings they had. They constantly turned away from God thinking that I got this. We can all relate to this sentiment, right? The I got this sentiment. I got this. I'm good. I know I won't mess up again. I got this. But the reality of how it should be is that we say, I've surrendered this. And I no longer need it. Right? The whole idea that Jesus gave us was to surrender all of who you are to him. That's why it was always die to yourself. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying, in order to live, you must die. All right? That's even in our physical death. Our physical death is the vehicle in which we enter into eternity, right? Like our names, if you are following Christ and abiding in him, are already written in the book of life. And you already have eternity given to you, even now. But when you pass from this life, you will be ushered into the presence of Jesus, where you will be with him for all eternity. Now keep in mind, it doesn't mean you're in heaven for all eternity because you come to the new heaven and the new earth, right? That's the final place that we all get to hang out with Jesus and God, okay? But if we continue to plow wickedness, right? If we are going after the wicked things, sinful things, hey, okay? I can, I'll give you, I just read this earlier. 
And this is a list that Jesus himself gives to the disciples. In Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 20, it says, And he was saying, so this is Jesus talking, and Jesus says, right, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles him. And here's, here comes a fun list. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, <clears throat> as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed within and defile the man. Okay, because earlier the Pharisees have given him junk for certain things that are being eaten or people that he's healing and they just didn't like Jesus. Okay, because they were envious of the popularity he had gained. You know, and he, he looks at his looks at them, he looks at the disciples and he says, It's the things from within us that defile us, not the outside things, right? You didn't wash your hands right back then, you know, according to their traditions and all these things. But it came down to, no, the things that come out of your evil heart are what defile you. Sin comes from within you. It's not somebody else's fault. It's your fault. Sin is our own choice. Yes, we are born with a sin nature. And there comes a point in life where you decide whether you're going to be sinning or not. Right? But we all end up choosing sin. There's not one person here that has never chose, I'm going to do the right thing the rest of my life. None of us. So I still do, I still do stupid stuff. We all struggle every day. And we keep trying to live on both, both planes here. Sowing good things, but plowing evil. We think we can walk both roads. But what did Jesus tell us? You can't walk both roads. Right? You can only serve one master. You can't walk two different roads at the same time. <clears throat> Hey, because if you're walking one road, that's the broad road, right? It's, it's easy, it's fun, but it's really quick to get to death and destruction. But the hard and narrow leads to life and abundance. Because the abundance is Jesus. So he won't hold himself back from us. If you want him, he'll give himself to you. Right? He says that he's our rest. Enter in to the rest that I give. He is the shepherd, the one who guides and directs his sheep. And we are them stupid sheep that need direction. Right? And so if we're trying to walk both roads, which road do you think is going to win out? Probably the broad one, right? Well, if you're trying to walk both, 
The one that's going to eventually win out is the one of wickedness. If you're trying to walk both roads, but if you're trying to walk only one road, you're either going to be all wicked or all towards righteousness. Don't you find it hard to think that everybody has the same heart? I mean, how do you think that? How do you say, well, he's got the same heart. This guy over here, this guy here might kill you, and this guy here might kiss you. How can you say that? Well, sure. What the hell is that? Just true. Yeah, but just because people have a difference of how they may be living currently doesn't mean that they may not repent and turn to Jesus. Jesus has the power to change everybody. To think that He doesn't have the power to change people is to limit His power and call Him less than God. Because God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, which is Jesus. That is why. We're all called to repent. We're all called to confess. We're all called to have our hearts and our minds changed by Christ. Okay? It's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's the truth. And the truth is Jesus. He sets the standard. So if he says to no longer plow wickedness, should we plow wickedness? No. If we're supposed to go after righteousness, should that be what we're going after? Yes. Exactly. There's only one way to do that, and that is through surrender. Hey, when Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus, he says this, and this is Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 4, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. They wandered away from Jesus. Okay. He says, therefore, remember where you have fallen. Hey, remember. Jesus had you here because of who he is and the righteousness he has given to us. He says, you were here, but you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. How many of us kind of remember our very like first time giving ourselves to Jesus? We were like super on fire. We were like, I'm going to do whatever I can for Jesus. I'm going to give up everything for Jesus. I'm going to sell all that I have. I'm going to go out and I'm going to pro- proclaim the gospel. And you did it for a little bit. I think most of us have probably had that experience at one point. Right? And if you haven't, and you're, and you're kind of in that phase... That's cool. But he says, go back and do those things because you were serving me. You were following me all because you loved me so much for what I did for you. Not so you could get something, but because you loved me so much, you wanted to just live all out for me. Return to that. Repent of your wickedness. Turn from your sin. Surrender to me and follow after me by doing these awesome deeds because you love me. Restore your love is basically what he's saying. Restore your love for me. 
So, in accordance to righteousness. Okay? Because if we want to follow Jesus and do the right things, that is what we will sow. And he wants us to constantly be there, holding on to him, following after him, and doing the things that he has designed us to do. It says that in, in Christ, we are designed for good works. Designed. You are intricately, intricately put together in order to do the good works that Jesus has afforded you to be able to do. Okay. But he says this. If you don't, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand. He tells this church that if you don't repent, you will no longer exist. Your church will no longer exist. I will shut the doors. The same goes for our, us in our hearts. Okay? We can have that mountaintop experience where we're just on fire. But then if you remember the parable of the soils, where something comes along and distracts us or pulls us away, it says that there were distractions or Satan comes along and just eats up that seed. You know, when the seed is the word of God, and if we're not getting in the word and we're not constantly watering the seed, sooner or later it's going to die out and we're no longer going to be living for him and we'll have lost that love or left our first love, right? So it says left. You have left the love you had at first. So he says, repent. Return to the things you once did. Follow me wholeheartedly. Surrender yourself to me. Let me be the one who lives for you. If you're struggling today, it's most likely because you've tried to do things all on your own and not give it to Jesus. Right? And James, it describes this group that is like, we're going to go and we're going to plan all these things. We're going to go to this country and we're going to do this stuff and we're going to make all this money. Not even realizing that they're here today and gone tomorrow. They made all these plans, but none of their plans were put before God. Know how often this happens to, to people? <laughs> this happens all the time. This happened to me. I come up with all these grand ideas of things that I would like to do, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it for the Lord. But at no point did I ever surrender it to God and go, is this really what you want? Because at some point, when you don't surrender it to God, it becomes about you again. About how's this going to make me look? What are people going to think about me when I do this? You know, if I come up here and care what all of you think about how my preaching's going, I'm not up here for the right reason. I'm up here to please one and one only, and that's God. Hey, you guys are sitting here not because you're trying to impress anybody else in this building, but because you want to have a better understanding of who you are in Christ. Because you want to grow in your relationship with him. You want your faith to grow. Or you want to know what it means to surrender. 
Everybody is in this room for a reason, whether they believe that or not. And that reason is, is to worship and glorify the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Christ Jesus, who paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross, having the wrath of God poured out on him, and then dying a criminal's death. And he's dead three days. We all know the story, right? Dead three days. But being the almighty creator of the earth and everything in it, the heavens, everything, death cannot hold you down. And he did all that so that we could be set free. And he is right now at the right hand of the Father advocating on all believers' behalfs because Satan likes to stand there and try and accuse us. But Jesus stand there and said, my blood covers him. My blood covers him. My blood covers him. My blood covers him. They have been set free. You are set free if you are in Christ. Sin no longer has a hold on you. Death no longer has a sting. Remember that your hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. And surrender to Him daily. I hope that we can all hold each other accountable to the fact of needing to surrender ourselves to Jesus. And let the Spirit live for us. You guys may not be friends necessarily in here, but if you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the family of God. Brothers in Jesus. And that alone gives you the right to hold everybody else accountable. Accountability is not judgment. Accountability is, hey, how can I walk alongside you today? Bill, can I pick on you for a minute? Will you pray for us? Will you pray for us? <laughs> Heavenly Father, let us open our hearts to this wonderful lesson which has provided for us today and restore our love for you in our hearts. Let us surrender to you, Lord. And bring us closer to you. Let us so that righteous path that you are asking us to and do not let the evil within our hearts come out lead us down that righteous path Lord. in your name we pray amen, amen. amen.